and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Miller and Condon here on a Monday, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. It's Trent Condon and Ken Miller, and we're with you for the next couple of hours to talk sports with you. Appreciate you spending uh, some of your morning here with us, the BMW of Des Moines guest list. Uh, looks like this, bottom of the hour, Matt Rudy, Golf Digest, will join us. We will start with golf with Matt Rudy at 10.30, 10.45, Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. The Athletic uh, does a lot of things things right a lot of things that uh, generate clicks and uh, with a lot of the pro teams they have a fan survey well that has crossed over in the college ranks and uh, Doc's put one up here the, today uh, and I'm, so, I'm assuming that most of the power five schools that have a, uh, a dedicated writer will do the same but there's a Hawkeye football fan survey that certainly will be interesting to see some of those results but Scott Dockerman at 1045 we'll get into the Big Ten uh, television contracts with Doc as that's one of his uh, duties at the uh, Big Ten, uh, Big Ten Network, at the Athletic uh, as well. So, Doc at ten forty-five. Matt Snyder in his normal spot to kick off hour number two. We'll go around Major League Baseball, a Major League Baseball schedule that certainly has a lot of juicy series this week. We'll talk about some of those, and then Nick Oson, our friend from CycloneAlert.com, under the twenty-four-seven Sports umbrella, he'll join us at eleven thirty to keep us up to date on. Uh, seemingly the flow of recruits uh, that are making their way to Ames as Matt Campbell and his staff continue to do uh, very well. So that's the show today. Trent's Plays of the Day. Circus Sports will sponsor about 10 minutes before the hour of noon. We'll bring it to a close as we set sail on another week. TC, how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, finally jumped aboard last two weeks before the U.S. Open. I bet on Matt Fitzpatrick. Of course, didn't do it before this tournament. No. Oh. But I jumped aboard on Friday, so we were good to go there. Got him at twenty to one. As on Friday, you got him at twenty to one. Twenty to one. Yeah, How about that. That's wow. what he was. He was at that time well, quite a bit back, and you know the way Rom was playing, certainly up until eighteen on Saturday, it was a Boy, very that's a great point. Up until eighteen, yeah. and he never recovered. And I, if he does not double eighteen, yeah, you wonder. I think he wins that tournament. Mm-hmm. You wonder. He just that's the way he mm-hmm. was. But as entertaining of his tournament. A long time. I really enjoyed that one. I was able to watch a lot of it. Had the Father's Day excuse, which was very good. As you know, normally this weekend, uh, my father-in-law and all my in-laws come to town for this weekend. We have a big family get-together. Got pushed back a week this week with my wife away last week. (laughs) So... I got Worked Father's out well Day. for Dad. Yes, and I said, what do you want to do Saturday? I want to golf. I watch golf. What do you want to do Sunday? I want to watch golf. And I watched golf, wow. and it was beautiful. You've been a good boy, Trent Condon, <laughs> <Yeah>. apparently. <laughs> well, that's what happens when your wife's gone for a week. That's right. She you feels, get a little bit in the bank. Absolutely. Then. Build up that bank account. Uh-huh. That's what a lot of guys are doing right now, because on the horizon is football. Oh, yes. That goodwill bank account. Put as much as you possibly Farmers can. Farmers markets, antiques. Whatever it takes, yes. because you're going to have to withdraw in October, November, December uh, on the weekends. There'll be plenty of guys withdrawing from the goodwill that they built up. It's funny. Uh, all right, so uh, here's my question about the, uh, well, we'll get into the U.S. Open in, in, in detail because I'm with you. I, I was thoroughly, thoroughly entertained. It was a terrific, um, a terrific Sunday of golf. How will that register ratings wise? Now, last weekend 
we saw the Canadian Open of all tournaments get a huge bump because yeah. that's not a tournament that usually draws the you know the the, the best golfers. Look, you're good. Rory McIlroy won the sure. tournament, so you're going to get a decent field, and that helped a ton, right? But this isn't a, this isn't a, a tournament that Tiger and Phil went to all the time when they were ruling uh, the game of golf. So they the Canadian Open did terrific numbers. The U.S. Open, a major without a. I mean, yeah, Rory was hanging around, and we know Scotty Scheffler, who's certainly emerged, but I'm not sure that he has uh, made his way into mainstream. Would you say that? I mean, if you're a hardcore golfer, you know. Yes. But these are some of the young names. These are some of the newer names. And it's not even the young guns like... Colin Justin Mor- Thomas, Colin Morikawa, who's uh-huh. won twice. Xander right. Shoffley. It's that next Jordan tier back. Spieth. And it's like three, four years difference between them. But it's the guys in their mid twenties uh-huh. as opposed to the guys even in their late twenties, early thirties. And so, did America watch? The, and if they didn't, I mean, it's 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 on them because mm-hmm. they. That was, look, I get it, it's family. It's, it's Father's Day, but that was a hell of a tournament. It was. But Fitzpatrick and Scheffler and Zalatoris and Matsuyama. Uh, Denny McCarthy, Adam Hadwin, Keegan, Keegan Bradley. Now, look, if it, uh, the numbers in Boston, I'm guessing, were off yes. the roof. Joel Dahman, Seamus Power. These are some of the guys at the top of the leaderboard did the country tune in to watch. Hopefully, during our show, we will get the uh, television numbers released. I would love to know. I would. What do you anticipate? I think it'll be good, just because the tournament was pretty good. I think that'll lead and to because it. Because golf's been being... In the mainstream for the last yep. two or three weeks. And I brought that up a lot, too. I think this has been impactful. I want to go a different angle, though, because I'm right there with you. I'm very intrigued to see what these numbers are. They were great in the Condon household. I know that. <laughs> I, I know that it was on in the Miller household. Yep. We'll see nationally what it does. But with the Live Tour, and having, for all intents and purposes, the Live guys really struggle. I stunk. Who was the best? Dustin Johnson or DJ Patrick Reed? was twenty third. Was he? Okay. I think. I think he was the top guy. I think yeah. only three, maybe four guys even made the cut. Well, yeah, and you can see why Mickelson, you know, took the money. Yeah, I mean, it's, the it's, game's not there. No, it's not. It's finished. He's finished. If how helpful that was for the U.S. Open, the tournament as a whole. That the live guys didn't do well. That you just didn't have to bring it up. Oh. That it didn't have to be the conversation piece. That it didn't have to dominate the conversation. It yeah. was. The lead-up Monday through Wednesday, absolutely. Mm-hmm. There was a ton of talk about mm-hmm. it. But then after that, after the tournament started, it was just about golf. Yep. It was about these young guys. It was about Scheffler going for a second major of the year. It was Fitzpatrick trying to break through. It was these kind of stories. Zell Torres, who's still never won on tour. It's amazing. Yet has been right there. He's second it? in the Masters last year. Uh-huh. Lost in a playoff this year in the PGA. The putt was in on 18. Oh. Was it not in? Well. I mean, we know it didn't drop. But didn't it look like this thing's good from the time it struck his putter? No doubt. And I think he thought so, too. Oh. And just to the left edge and how well he hit that, how well he putted, oh, which is not great. his strength, and ultimately not able to get it mm-hmm. done. The That shot out of the bunker on 18. Wow. And, and well, what did Zinger say right beforehand? Can't be left. No, exactly. Can't be left. You know, what? Do, where does he rank? I, Paul Azinger, I think, does a really good job. I'm with you. NBC doesn't have the volume of CBS. No, I mean, and him and Dan Hicks. Are, Dan Hicks is excellent. I they're really, really like good. Ta- but you know what NBC got killed for this weekend? And I didn't notice this, but apparently this was the case. They're, they had, percentage-wise, way more shots on tape. And Thinking I didn't notice. Back, yeah. I mean, I noticed a few. Mm-hmm. This just earlier is Dan right. Hicks' line. This from just earlier. Um 
But I, I didn't notice that until I saw some of the criticism that was starting to, you know, make its way into my feed. It did seem a bit delayed. I mean, the the production is so CBS is top. Yeah, no, but absolutely. They have it figured uh-huh. out. As swarming as annoying at times Jim mm-hmm. Nance can be and his contrived calls on 18. Right. There is just something about their coverage that is. No, you're so, right. The cameras, and they have Vern Lundquist. Do, do the cameras seem different? Uh, you know, I didn't notice Even that Even the aspect. way that they, I don't know, just the visual aspect of what you get on CBS. It feels completely different yeah. than what you get anywhere yeah. else. No, they're number one. They're number yeah. one. For, uh, there, there's no doubt and about that. And now that you say that, it, it's kind of, yeah, that was. Yeah. They were a bit behind this from just earlier. Yeah, right. <laughs> And even the ones where they even don't say that, mm-hmm. but like, and know. the commercials, there was well, look, the master spoils us, folks. Yes, it does. They spoil us with the, yep. you know, the the infrequency of commercials. Um, NBC, they, they cash them checks this weekend. Um, I guess you know why wouldn't you? Here's the other thing from from NBC. Mike Tirico, come on, what a pro, what an absolute, what what can't he do? I'm no, stop, you're stumped. Yeah. <laughs> right? Nothing in the world of sports, that's for it's sure. It's just amazing how Golf, good this Olympics, yes. football. It just seamlessly moves from sport to sport, from the play-by-play to the, you know, to the uh, um, interviewing Hosting, after, yeah. yeah, the hosting type of stuff. It's just seamless. He's so good at what he does, and we know that he's um, will have NBC Sunday Night Football this year. But, uh, yeah, they're lucky to have him. Uh, coverage was great. Tournament was great. Matt Fitzpatrick gets his win. Pretty cool story about, you know, winning the amateur and staying mm-hmm. with that family right. uh, that he did back in 2013. They're all bunking with them again. Um the putt on 13, the putt on 15, and then the second shot on 18, the shot out of the bunker. The two long birdie putts, 13, 15, because he started his back nine, bogeyed 10, bogeyed 11. Uh, that two-shot lead had disappeared as Alatoris has the lead. I've got him at 30 to 1. Um, that was a great tournament. Fun tournament. Couldn't, uh, couldn't ask for anything more. He really couldn't. Have. Uh, maybe a playoff. What uh, did you think on 18? Now, first of all, that second shot. I mean, that's that'll, amazing. That'll be remembered yep. for a long time. That'll be shown certainly the next time mm-hmm. they're at Brookline. Now he's still able. You know, he still was. Had he, you know, not gone well, he still had a chance to chip. You know, get up and down yep. and still win the golf tournament, as we know. As outdoors misses birdie putt, but uh, it was it was crazy. It was a, it wasn't supposed to happen. And to your point, Paul, we don't want to be left. The only trouble he's taken out his three wood. You don't want to be left because those you don't want to be in the bunkers on the left side. And as soon as it, you can see the tracer starting to fade a little bit. That has been such a huge, huge improvement in golf. What did you think of the of the uh, of the goalpost, the uprights? On I I didn't get it. I thought it seemed like too much. Yeah, because the trees were doing. (laughs) That's all we needed, Right, right? Right. You've got trees on the right, trees to the left, and you want to put your ball down the middle of those trees. Didn't need the goalpost. Thought that was weird. There was, that uh, was too much. Another great part of the coverage is Zalatoris. He is, he's kind of like one of us because he fades the ball. He slices it. We see pretty much every pro, they have a draw, right? Mm-hmm. That's what they are. Yeah. That's not him. No. And, and it got him in trouble. And he cannot he cannot go right to left. I, compared to any other pro in the top 30, 40, I, he just he doesn't have that. And they said, this is not a good hole for his mind's mm-hmm. eye. And what does he do? Mm-hmm. He goes out to the right yeah. and he had to chip out. I thought the coverage was excellent. I thought the drama was right there. It was an excellent golf tournament. The shot on 18 will be remembered forever. And the missed putt by Zalatoris that Mm -hmm. looked right there. Mm -hmm. But right before that, so as Fitzpatrick misses his birdie, just has a tap in. But it's such a rarity to see a guy that 
has to make that putt to win a tournament if the putt that he waits, that he doesn't finish up there, that he doesn't go that route, and he just tapped it in and waited. Was that putting the pressure on Zalatoris? Was that game and ship out of fast? So, what you, so, was he, so he missed his putt. He just had a tap in. Mm-hmm. Normally, he would mark, yep. let Zalatoris miss, mm-hmm. and then... I have that the guy, to win. Right. I've got this to win, and... Yeah, I, I could see that. I could, you, you see that a lot. You see that a lot. But, First but guy he, ever with braces to win a... That's what Matt Rudy tweeted, too, like yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> That's got to be a first major to be wearing braces. Um, well, he's good. Yes, he's he really, is. really good. You see why I've been on him the last yes, couple I of do. weeks. Yes, I do. When and you got on him on Friday at 20-1, to 1, that's a hell of a hit. He uh, has got so much longer, too. That was the knock at him. He, I mean, going back when he was an amateur player, mm-hmm. he, was, he was small. He's not a big guy by any means, and didn't have the power as talented as he was. People wondered, that was always the doc. Can it translate at the major tour where you have to bomb it anymore? Mm-hmm. You have to be able to bomb it. And all of a sudden, this guy's added another 15, 20 yards to his drive. Showing that part of it, his game, what has improved there, what he has done to to go there. I I am so addicted now to Golf Channel. I, I have gone. Really? I watch live from yeah. every night of the major. I watch a lot during the week now. It is such a great show, and they're showing that and, and showing Scotty Scheffler and the way that he comes out of his shoes. And he is, it's not about quiet. Yeah, no, that, that, not with you him. go to a golf, no. you go to see Ken Shaw over there, he's yeah. going to say, you need to quiet down your swing. Mm-hmm. Not, not Scotty Scheffler. He's all yeah, over the yeah, place. Yeah, because his feet are moving like, like crazy. Yeah. Um, and it's Furyk that has that figure eight, yep. right? Yeah. Uh, in, in, his, uh, in his swing. But it's, yeah, but it's Scheffler. His feet are anything um, but textbook, if you will. That was, that was terrific. Is there a player? A good player who scrambles more and is seemingly always in contention, gets to within one or two and then bogey, bogey, than Rory McIlroy. Oh, boy. I he mean, couldn't get it going early. Got it going there, what? If he ever 13, plays 14? a clean round, right. one, I mean, look out. He's so talented. Flat stick, I no. thought, really left him. That was probably the Although biggest difference. Although he did difference make overall. some putts, though. He did. He, made, he rolled in some one putts that, because uh, he was, he had a lot of putts for par to save par and to stay in contention. Um, ah, great tournament. Can't wait to see the ratings. So you say they'll be, they'll hold their own? Yeah, pretty good. Certainly up from the last two years, but we got to go back to 2019 yeah, to, sure. to get back to normalcy and see what the numbers are compared no to that. No Tiger, no Phil. Mm-hmm. What's this going to do with Fitzpatrick, Scheffler, Zaltoris? Um, Denny McCarthy, Adam Hadwin. Not exactly. I mean, the, the, you could be looking at a leaderboard right now that's uh, any given weekend. It yeah. doesn't feel like it has. It could have been it, the John Deere Open. It could have in a lot of ways, yeah. right? Yeah, it could have. Yeah. It, it doesn't have the feel of a major championship leaderboard, but it certainly had the look of one watching it on TV. Well, well done. Thoroughly entertained in L.A. next year. And what does that mean? Pacific time. Yes, so that is great. Lock me into that yeah. one. One final thing for my notes I want to get your thoughts on. Number number 11, the par 3. Scheffler, mm. that's, that's his tournament right there. That's incredible. Yeah, The double bogey that he had, where he hit a pretty good shot on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And just it skipped. just flew. Yeah. yeah. And it, then he's back there. He's right on the red line. Terrible chip mm-hmm. out of there. So it's short. I mean, we see anymore. Right. Par 3s are 240, 250. And this is 122 yards. Yeah, there was different... a 240-yard one yeah, in this tournament right. we just watched. That's what you get on, on the tour. That's what mm-hmm. it is. It's these long par threes. It's things that are completely different. Because you're playing from the white tees like I do. They don't have you at 240, right? Right. This is different. But you have this short little shot. And I heard 
Saturday night, I think it was, that the biggest problem for these guys, a majority of the pros, is they were in, in between clubs. That this is not a pitching wedge for them. It's also not a gap wedge for most of them. So it was, for basically any pro, it was an in-between, and that's what made it so difficult. Really? I'm watching Thursday and Friday, and I didn't get it. How are these guys struggling? It's a pitch shot where you can right. put it wherever you want. Right. Put on Take a something off. Right. This but should, that was the... But that was the huh. reason for it is... For most pros, it was in between clubs, and that's what gave them so much Look, trouble. Look, and, and, and I'll buy it, Trent. I mean, if these guys, that's what they're saying, then mm-hmm. yeah, I'm buying. Right. It's just, maybe it's not as simple as taking a little something off yeah. from a guy who plays once every 10 years. <laughs> you going to get out this summer? No, probably not. No? No, I say every summer I will, but no, probably not. Um, it's too hot. Too hot. It's, um, it's an interesting take. Yeah. That's really interesting. Because I didn't get it. No, I nor just, did I. Every time they flip over that hole, why are these guys mm-hmm. struggling that's at least the one that makes the most mm-hmm. sense to me. 25 days till the British Open. Oh, yes. 25 days till the Open Championship. I absolutely love it. All right. Uh, real quick, uh, can't spend a ton of time on it other than the fact that uh, the Colorado Avalanche are just eye-opening. Um, they are so talented. They are so fast. I didn't think that you could get in the heads of a two-time defending championship team in Tampa Bay. They were unflappable until they met Colorado. Right. And my good gosh, here's a question I have. Um, probably not the country to ask it in. Okay. But what is, the, what, what is uh, Vasilevsky, who's as good a goalie as there is in the world, yeah. right? And he's getting bombarded. He's getting, they had no answer for, for Colorado. And he's down 5 nothing after 40 minutes. Isn't this night done? See, that was the question I had for you, too. That was the one thing that... I knew I just don't know hockey well enough. Two ways to look at it, obviously. He's getting pounded. You're not coming back. You're not winning no. this one. Get him off. Come back on Monday. And plus, right. it's kind of a quick turnaround here. No, it played nice. Yeah, you, got, you got a quick turnaround. Yeah. You got travel on top of it. Yesterday's a travel day, and boom, on the ice tonight. What What happens to the psyche of a guy that they get benched? That they get pulled? No, really nothing. Okay. It's, it's kind of like a mercy pulling. You know, he, he knows there's nothing in the back of his mind thing. oh, I lost the net. Oh, that's it. Now I'm, I lost my chance. Yeah. He's playing. Right. Right. So He'll, there's nothing that you no. worry about about that. No. Is it? Now, if you're a backup goalie and you sure. get pulled, you're thinking, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's over and right. they're looking at the third guy. Maybe. And precisely. You get that part. So the other one I was wondering about, a different way to maybe look at it, would be this team's so fast. We have not oh seen anything gosh. like this. And because of their speed, we have to give him as many reps as possible against this squad mm-hmm. for us to have any hope of winning for the next five and coming well, back. They, the they, I mean, he has to be better, but his team has to be better. They put 16 shots on Darcy Kemper. Yeah. Darcy Kemper's not a good goalie. I mean, he's in the NHL, so he's a good goalie. <laughs> right. I get that. But if you were to rank the goalies in the NHL, Darcy Kemper's way, way, way down the list. In the 20s? Yes. Yeah, yeah so, somewhere around there for sure. But to only get 16 pucks at him and the speed and, and just how they got them out of their game. Um, this Colorado team, my God, they're they're incredible to watch. And the crazy thing about it is their best player is Nathan McKinnon. Yeah. And he's kind of been missing in action in the first two games. I mean, it's still his speed is still on display, but he's not lighting up the scoreboard. And if he gets going, my gosh. Lightning minus 106 tonight. They have to win, Trent. It's Avalanche a must-win game. Do they? <laughs> I thought Tampa could. I thought Tampa could win the series because of yeah. the champs, and they just know how to win. No, Tampa. I mean, Colorado's in their head. They've never seen anything like this, 
and all of it, it sunk in at some point during this game. Is like gulp, you know they. Uh, we, we can't match their speed. Mm-hmm. We can't match the way they they move the puck around. Um, and do they? Yes, because they have to. Yes, because that's what I would say. But that's what I said on Saturday. Mm-hmm. I was on Tampa Saturday because I thought my take going into it, they had to get game two because you're not beating Colorado four out of five. No. Well, obviously that's what they have to do right. now to do it. Yeah. I can't envision that. No, nor can I. I think this thing is over. It might go five, six games. Well, for your sake, it'll go six because you got be plus what, 440? 440, yeah, on the Lanch. I could see that. I can't see them beating this no Colorado way. team four out of five. I can't see anyway. Nope. I barely see an all-star team right now. I mean, the way you talk They're about not going speed. into Denver and winning a hockey game. And if they and they have to in order to win the series. They almost series. got game one. They did. Went to overtime. Game went to overtime. Didn't last long in overtime. No, but um, uh, boy, oh boy, oh boy. All right, real quick. Baseball from over the weekend. Sports are so weird, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the Atlanta Braves have won 14 in a row. The Cubs have lost 10 in a row. What nothing. Wind blowing in. <laughs> Unreal. So watch quite a bit of the game on Friday. And there were, to my count, five balls that would have left the ballpark that didn't. And four of them were off the bats of the Braves. Mm. Just how different that could have been very quickly. They showed a cool graphic. Have you ever seen that graphic on Marquee before? They had the graphic showing, with the wind blowing in, how much distance Yes, I have. With all the different yes. angles and the arrows, yes, yes. And how much, how impactful mm-hmm. it was. At one point, it was like, it was taking off like 12 feet to left field, something like that. And then the wind had shifted later in the game, and then out to right field, it was knocking it down. It just... It was such a cool thing that I hadn't seen before on Marquee. Yeah. I'd seen a couple other places, but I really liked the presentation that they had on that. And one nothing. Mm. All of a sudden, take the first two games of the series Wild. before the Braves come back and get yesterday. Got him yesterday, yeah, and got Kyle Hendricks yesterday, who yeah. did not pitch well in that baseball game. We've got some great games, uh, some great series to start. They're none bigger, in my opinion, for where we you know live. Mm-hmm. Um then in Milwaukee with the Cardinals and the Brewers. Four-game set starts tonight. Flat-footed tie at the top of the standings? Yes, 38-30. Um, watched a ton, by the way, just real quick on this, I watched a ton of Red Sox uh, and Cardinals over the weekend. There was a ton of Cardinal fans at the ballpark. Oh, really? At Fenway Park. But they were double-dipping. I know Bill Fennelly and his two sons, I just saw it on Twitter this morning, Fennelly's a big Cardinal fan. Uh-huh. And I'm assuming his boys are, too. So they were at Fenway Park, one of the nights on the weekend. You know where they were during the day? US Brookline. Open, yes. <laughs> right? Brookline. I mean, what a really good trip that would be. But yeah, Cardinal fans, uh, there was a lot of them in Fenway Park, and it's one of those ballparks. I'm so glad I got there. It, it's um, it's unique, is what it is. It's really unique. Got to get uh, there. I haven't yeah. been. Uh, but Cardinals Brewers from this uh, this coming week, four games to start the week, that's going to be pretty, pretty pretty good and that's not the only one mm-hmm. there's a number of good series uh taking place uh your blue jays <clears throat> taking on the white Sox. keep an eye on the white Boy, Sox. did they, they need that game it? yesterday by the way against yeah. the yankees because the yankees were kicking the crap out of them was it eight three when they started eight, the three. comeback? yeah, yeah. eight three grand slam three run homer you know what a big series up there was anthony rizzo holy man he had a grand slam oh one of the nights mm-hmm. and then he pinched it yesterday in the eighth inning to cut it to one just crushing the baseball Couple of good pitching matchups tonight. Giants against the Braves. He got uh, Webb against. Where's Freed. that? Is that in Atlanta or in San Fran? That's an Atlanta one. And Yankees race tonight. If Jeez. if he got an opportunity, of course, Garrett Cole always fun to watch. Mm-hmm. But this McClellan kid for Tampa numbers are through the roof right now. His ERA. He's seven three on the year. One point eight four ERA. WHIP zero point eight four. He's thrown seventy eight pitches or seventy eight innings this year. One hundred and five strikeouts. <laughs> yeah. 
Keep an eye. If How he's tall not- is he? Is he a big dude? Nah, he is 6'1". Okay. He's a lefty. Yeah. Oh, and he, yeah. he fires. But yeah, 6'1", 200. He was part of the rotation a year ago. Had mm-hmm. a good season I remember as a, a year rookie. Ago. Yep. He has taken it to the next level. I didn't realize he was off to the start that he's off to. Garrett Cole against that. So yeah, a lot of good. great pitching matchups tonight. Should be a fun night of baseball. Yeah, that that's pretty, pretty, pretty good. By the way, Zach Greinke was here in Des Moines over the weekend. Pitched yesterday. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, for Omaha and Atuna. I guess he was great. Oh, yeah. Pitched seven innings. Seven innings down here, and uh, I was following. Well, I always follow Birchie, mm-hmm. but I think in the seventh inning, his pitch count was like seventy something. Oh, really? So he had it going on. Efficient, he had, efficient. Well said. Ten twenty-five. We'll get our break. Matt Rudy will join us. Golf Digest. We'll recap the tournament uh, with Matt. We will beg him to put us on as part of his um, international calling plan because he's headed to the British Open. Uh, lucky duck at St. Andrews. Uh, but Matt Rudy will join us then. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. That's our one. Miller and Condon underway. Another week here. It's Des Moines Sports Station. 106.800 bets off. Now back to Miller and Condon. On 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM, here's Ken and Trent. All right, just past 1030 on a Monday, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. One of the uh, topics, uh, one of the um, tentacles of this tournament we never discussed, uh, Matt Fitzpatrick's caddy. Pretty cool. Oh, but, that uh, was great. Billy Foster's his name. 40 years trying to... Uh, to win a major, be on the bag for a major champion, and he was uh, able to get into that winner's circle, too. Matt Rudy, Golf Digest, joins us. Matt, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on, Matt Rudy. As always, we appreciate what you've done over the decades. How are you? I'm good. That was a fun That was fun to watch. It was uh, every, everything you wanted. You had the number one player in the world. You had John Rahm. You had Rory McIlroy. You had some young guys who were trying to do it for the first time. You had Will Zalatoris trying to do it again. <laughs> I mean, what, what more could you ask for? It was Lovely day. I'm sunny where I was, and good, you know, good golf weather to watch on TV. The whole thing was, uh, it was a great show, and, and I think the golf course was the right amount of, of uh, yep. the right right amount of a character in the in the display. It wasn't the main dominant conversation, and it rewarded great shots, and there wasn't crazy stuff that uh, you know made it made it luck. You know, the, the guy who hit the great shot on 18 won the tournament. <laughs> he sure did. Made a couple of putts, too. 13 and 15, just remarkable. So how do you think this plays out? When we get the television numbers later on in the day, and hopefully we'll get them here in the next 90 minutes before we sign off, but, you know, you take a look at the leaderboard, and it's it's different, right? It's a different era. I get that. Uh, it was thoroughly entertaining. No one was running away uh, with the tournament. You were, I mean, it came down to the last putt for crying out loud, and I thought it was in. Um, but so how do you think it plays out, Matt? What kind of ratings do you think it will do? That's a good question because the, the Canadian Open ratings were awesome. Yep. Last, last week, with, with, and Rory is a, is, a, is a big name, obviously, and you're right. I mean, there isn't a Tiger Woods or even Phil Mickelson at the PGA last year. You don't have the marquee, marquee name. But I think we're in a period of transition that's good for the tour where the, the interest is spread out over 20 players. And when someone from that cast of characters does cool stuff, then you get uh, great viewership. Uh, I, I think what the USGA did, and, and I've been on your show, I don't know, going on 20 years now. Over. I, I've, I've made no shortage of negative comments about the USGA, and I think the mm-hmm. U.S. Open is my least favorite of the four majors. But Mike Wan is terrific. 
And w- when you have a new leader that responds to people and says, yeah, we don't like the play, you know, you know, cutting away from play to show commercials and we don't like you not seeing golf and that you actually see a difference in the next day's telecast, whether that's going to impact the ratings this year, I don't know. But long term, when you care about the product, both as someone who runs the tournament and as someone who's showing it to people on TV, that, that means good things for the U.S. Open. Matthew Fitzpatrick, he is a very talented guy. Question always with him, would he be long enough? Well, he's figured that out. He added, what, 15, 20 yards to the driver, took a couple of big gambles there. What a performance, though, out of him. A guy that a lot of people have been waiting for for the breakthrough moment. Now, is this a one-off? Is this a guy that we're going to hear? Is he going to become part of the lexicon, going to be part of the conversation on a weirdly basis going forward? What are your thoughts on his game as you kind of look at big picture view of Fitzpatrick? You know, I just spent a bunch of time with Scotty Scheffler through the cover story that came out last month. And what Scotty did is sort of a weird precursor to what Fitzpatrick's doing right now. Scotty was the smallest kid, and so he had to learn how to play as a small kid mm. who didn't hit it far. You know, he had to do it with short game. He had to do it with shot shaping and cleverness and all that kind of stuff. And then when the length showed up, just because he became a full-grown human, <laughs> he had all those pieces that you had, the finesse pieces that you learned before. And a lot of that is in the same conversation. It just happened more recently with, with Patrick. So I think when you can do Jordan Spieth-style things, you know, with, with – you know, keeping cool and with making good decisions and having a great short game and, and, and not having the moment get too big for you and then add in the fact that you can hit it just as far as anybody else, that puts you right in the conversation with all these other players. It, it, and it really does reinforce just how important the length component is with that. I mean, this, this is a player who had not won a PGA Tour event yet. You know, he'd won a couple times in Europe. I don't want to make it sound like he was a terrible player, but... I did a I did a story with him a couple of years ago for Golf Digest, and the rap was certainly that he was the crafty left-hander, you know, in baseball parlance, who had to get you out with a changeup. Mm. And now he does. Now he's throwing fastballs. So I mean, that's 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 nothing but good for his future for sure. Uh, John Rom, uh, the fifty-fourth hole, his final hole on Saturday, double bogeys. It looked to me like, ah, uh, here he goes. He's gonna, you know, he's gonna run away with this golf tournament. He never recovered, Matt. That surprised me that John Rom had a uh, his final round was um, certainly uh, not up to his standards by any means. No, it wasn't, and and it shows you the difference. And Rory kind of went through the same thing on Sunday. Look at what Scotty Scheffler did. He went out and, and just made birdie right away, and he established the the tone for his day where he was playing offense instead of playing defense. I think if you struggle on the first hole, if you make a you know, there's obviously 18 holes to play, and there's time to come back. And the U.S. Open is always about you know preaching patience, but that patience is harder to come by when people around you are doing things and making birdies and you're going backwards, it it forces you into making some decisions and to be more aggressive than you might otherwise be. And when those mistakes compound, you're just, there there aren't enough birdies left out on the golf course to come back. So so I think the, the, the momentum piece from, from Saturday, it certainly didn't help him, but when you can't come out, and start the day positively. I mean, look what happened to Keegan Bradley. He mm-hmm. so desperately wanted to play well for his hometown people, and he, I think he bogeyed the first three holes. Yep. And, and I think that the, the, how when, when you have to fight that, how deflating that is, and, and you might not have your best stuff, and you know that the golf course isn't going to present you with all kinds of easy birdie opportunities to come back, that, that's just, it's just too much of a mountain to overcome. 
DJ finishes 24th. The Live Tour guys as a whole really struggled. I maintain that was good for the U.S. Open. That was good to not have to have that storyline also be a part of it. What was your takeaway, the buildup, and what these well, last couple of weeks certainly have been for you as a golf writer? It's been the weird and exciting. I mean, I mean, in, in absolute terms, it's been fantastic because there's so many on-course and off-the-course stories. Yeah. And there's so much analysis to be done, done and that there's still so much that's not decided. And and golf, the, the problem golf has is, is many times, even when you have Tiger, it's an embarrassment of riches, but it's predictable. You know, the same guy is going to win all these tournaments. That's, you know, that you kind of expect that to happen. So anytime there can be some mystery and some new pieces to the puzzle and some new characters in the game, I think that's great for the sport. And I think competition in the long term is great. I think it's going to make the PGA Tour product better, you know, to have to get to get some push from outside money. And and I think there was the the right amount of attention on the live golf stuff this week. Phil Mickelson is a big story. I don't, I don't care what you say; totally that needs agree. to be addressed. And it was fascinating to see what he would do playing in the U.S. for the first time. And and I think you got exactly what well, we probably expected. I mean, the the live for the most part, the live golf roster are players that are past their prime with the exception of dj and with the exception of bryson you know these are these are you know did we really expect sergio was going to play great this week i don't think he's played great in a major in five years so um that that wasn't really a surprise and it was it was interesting to see how both the players and then the you know the golf universe at large dealt with that extra set of questions that you were going to get and for some players you know you answer the questions and you move on and for some other players it's a it's a distraction. It's not a surprise to me that, for example, Abraham answer withdrew because he didn't feel great. And now the story is he's probably going to declare for the live tour this week. Hmm. For some players that, you know, you, you know, you, you make a, a decision and you take the money and that's a difficult thing to kind of process along with dealing with the major championship pressure. And, and all, you know, all those things are, are things that, that, that go into it. Uh, Matt, last thing, uh, you're, you're, you're headed to the British Open and the Open Championship. So, uh, two-part question. Will you see Tiger uh, at St. Andrews? And are you going to go over, um, you know, early? Just, uh, I mean, what's St. Andrews after all? Why wouldn't you, right? <laughs> what, what's your kind of, I what's am. your arrangements like? What are you going to be doing over I there? I am going to go, I am going to go early. I, I, I entered the ticket lottery. I, I mean, I'm going for work, but I entered right. the ticket lottery, so my family's going with me, so they can go oh. see it. My kids have never been to the UK. My wife's been to a bunch of British Opens, but th- so they're going to see it for the first time. I, I'm, I, I think Tiger's going to play, and I think this is going to be a spectacle. I mean, there's going to be 500,000 people walking around St. Andrews, and it's a, you know, it's literally a stadium of people you know, excited to see what's going on. I think golf is in a fantastic place because we're, we're still kind of in the Tiger Woods administration, <laughs> and the three major champions this year are all been you know players in their 20s, and you know, I think that the game is in a good place, especially because you know stylistically there's some different things going on. You look at you know Justin Thomas is not a gigantic guy. You know he's not he's not some you know six five mega athlete. You know, there's there's different looks. There's different uh, styles of play, and, and and you see a guy like like Fitzpatrick get rewarded for the cerebral approach to his game. I think it's going to be a, a an excellent experience, and I'm rooting for the authentic. Uh, Scottish weather experience, yes. not rain, but 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 you know, maybe in the high fifties, yep. low sixties, where you can wear a, a 
a, a nice sweater and, uh, and, and, and see a, a different style of golf than we're used to seeing in the U.S. I just love the tournament. I really do. Have a good international calling plan, please. <laughs> <laughs> I have one. You can call me on this regular number. We'll, we'll be sure to chat in a preview and a, and a wrap-up. Good stuff, Matt Rudy. Safe trip over there. We appreciate what you've done for us uh, literally over 20 years. Thank you, Matt Rudy. Uh, uh, travel safe with you and your family, and we'll talk to you from St. Andrews in 20-something days. Thanks, Matt. You bet. Good yeah. to hear from you. Matt Rudy, Golf Digest. Uh, that that would be really cool. Meet yes. St. Andrews, I'm right? jealous. I am too, and I don't like to leave Ankeny, but that's one of those ones that... Uh, and I would love to stay in one of the... I don't know if they're homes or oh, hotels. Yes. Right along the... Uh, right course. on the course, right? Uh-huh. Oh, my God. That would be so cool. I love the tournament. Get up in the morning, turn the TV on, and uh, boom. It's there. All right. Scott Dockerman coming up next. We'll talk to Doc. A lot going on with um, oh, Big Ten topics. He'll join us next. Miller and Condon on a Monday. Des Moines Sports Station 106.5. My Condon, welcome back. Our final segment of the first hour of the program. Hour number two, Matt Snyder from CBSSports.com. We'll talk Major League Baseball with Trent and I, and then Nick Oson on Iowa State. Right now, Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. Been a busy week all the way back, I think it was early, well, Tuesday, Wednesday of last week. Doc, that's where I want to start with you. Thank you, as always, for coming on. Uh, your piece on the uh, on, on the Big Ten and the media rights and uh, the TV deal and how it's going to look, it's a fascinating story, Doc, because seemingly the Big Ten is about to cash in, uh, in, in in a big, big way. When it all shakes out, Doc, how do you think uh, – where, where do you think three – Different slots. I mean, we're going to see Fox early, middle of the afternoon, CBS, maybe NBC. I mean, that, that I think ultimately would be the goal. Is it feasible? Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me on. And it, it's really tough to gauge because I think they like options with those two main outlets, CBS and NBC. They both bring something a little bit different. Um, and I'm not sure about the, the cash. You know, that's going to be the ultimate probably decider, I would guess. If uh, because, you know, to, to have uh, that either kind of real estate, which is middle of the afternoon on CBS is, has been terrific ratings wise for the SEC all these years. And uh, then, a, you know, a primetime game on NBC would also have that kind of value as well. So I think money is probably going to be the biggest factor there. But, you know, there's also the ESPN factor. Uh, ESPN has been an, an important ally of the big 10 for so many years now it's all in on the sec and but do you really want to leave it it's a, it's mm-hmm. a big question i know trent's posed that for quite a while and and it, there's some validity there that um you know you've been on there since what i think 89 and then 87 for abc and uh and it is still the kind of the king voice of, of college football so i think that they're they're sorting things out now uh, just a matter of kind of figured it out my guess is probably the second to third week of july it'll all be decided the streaming component continues to be a question and i think there's going to be a chunk i'm not sure how big it's going to be you know we've seen those friday night games here recently on fs1 and we've also seen apple tv peacock they've been kind of looking for exclusive windows those friday night games be it 8 10 12 games a year would that be a possible spot for whatever streaming network is willing to put up the money? Is that something that would make sense in your mind when they look at that part of it? It sure could. You know, I think whether it's a Thursday or a Friday option, 
there have been internal discussions on whether the Big Ten would be willing to expand its uh, out, you know, its uh, you know window to, to have more than just a couple of those games. Uh, prime time all the way deep into November. Would it be willing to do that on Saturday nights? Uh, so that's part of it. Uh, you know, as far as what um, you know, Amazon in particular has been the one pushing uh, this right now. That that's really uh, fascinating. What kind of package they do want? Uh, you know, my guess is it's probably going to be something in the neighborhood of prime time. You know, if it's maybe it's a CBS, um, you know, mid afternoon, and then a, an exclusive. Saturday night window, something like that. And, and I think what's fascinating when you look at it beyond the, what the Big Ten decides is how is that going to parlay into the, the Big 12's future and, and also the Pac-12. Because uh, if you're the, the Big 12, you've got to look at, okay, who didn't, get, who didn't win the, the Big Ten and then kind of mm-hmm. hit them hard because they're looking for that type of exclusivity. Hmm. Doc, uh, early in the week, or last week as well, you wrote, you ranked the uh, all 13 of Iowa's Big Ten Conference foes. And I'm glad you went through the exercise. It, it, and it, I think it really matters, you know, what part of the state you grew up in. Trentel, uh, you know, you'll uh, battle me on that <laughs> throughout the entire season. If we got to a point, Doc... Where the future schedule, if we if the divisions are 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 no longer part of uh, of college football, and certainly looks as though that's going to be the case, and you get those, whether it's two locked in or three locked in rivals every year, boy, in Iowa's case, it almost has to be three, right? Because it's so hard, in my opinion, to separate Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Nebraska, and the Big Ten seemingly has gone out of its way to elevate Nebraska and Iowa and to make that something. And look, we know how our needle moves on the, the week of that game, the, that Nebraska hatred. How's this going to play, Doc? Is it going to be two or three? And if it is two, who's on the outside looking in? Yeah, it's one heck of a football's version of Sophie's Choice, isn't it? Oh. I mean, if you get down to the two. Uh, but you look at, uh, you know, there is, as you said, there's a lot of equity right now with Iowa and Nebraska. They've played on Black Friday every year, and it's not just a unilateral decision on Iowa's part. You know, Nebraska has a voice. The Big Ten has a voice, obviously. And if Nebraska wants Iowa to be its number one, and, you know, and I think Iowa is kind of there. I mean, when they decided to to get, uh, you know, when Black Friday became kind of a permanent thing, I mean, it, it's now etched there. It's, it's now in Sharpie. So I think you've got to put that there. And then, you know, Minnesota is such a, a legacy game, a historic series. It's the oldest rivalry for Iowa, most played rivalry. And, and uh, for Minnesota, it's number two, but it's still, you know, I think fourth, tied for fourth in Big Ten history. So that's really an important one. Now, you know, we can all say that the most competitive, maybe the most important game in the West Division every year is Iowa-Wisconsin. Yep. It's a, just a physical, you know, slobber knocker, old-school game. And, and nobody wants to see that end because as far as location goes, that's the closest one to for Iowa, and and uh, it's on uh, Highway 151. It's a really easy drive for everybody, and and uh, so I, I think what and I'm writing about this uh, for tomorrow is that I think the common, the best solution for this is for the Big Ten is to go ahead and protect three, but you know have certain ones be considered permanent and other ones be considered more rotational because you know Penn State's not going to want to play Maryland and Rutgers every year, right? Uh, but but maybe you go with like a, in a five-year window, you're going to play everybody three times if you if you and you have your permanence. Well, 
if you do that, then you could say, like, for a five-year window, Penn State plays Maryland five times and Rutgers three, and then you flip it the second time. So you're not doing the same ones over and over again. But then for Iowa, okay, all three of yours are permanent. I think that's probably a fair way to do it. I, I kind of etched that out. And I think, uh, you know, because nobody else really has three that you got to pound the table for other than Iowa. And my fear is that uh, Iowa would just say, well, we got to do what's best for the Big Ten and, and back off when really it needs to say, you protect these three and I'll vote for whatever system you want. Right. Yeah. That would be huge. Very impactful for the program and just the way that it works. And everybody's different. And that can be okay, too. If it's two for some, if it's three for others, that's okay. It doesn't have to be succinct all the way through. Doc, uh, you have your fan survey up right now at The Athletic, and you asked an impossible question. Which Iowa defensive position group are you least optimistic about the next season? Defensive line, linebacker, or secondary? Doc, I love them all. What would you be your pick? (laughs) I'd leave it blank. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, you know, seriously, you look at the three units, and I I would probably – just because we have to pick, I would say maybe the secondary because the secondary lost the most pieces. But but overall, I mean, I you got a uh, the returning Big Ten defensive back of the year, and and you have a safety who's been around for a while, and and you got a, a corner coming back who intercepted four passes. So that would, but I mean, you're pro- I'm probably most optimistic about the linebacking core. When healthy, it's as good as there is in the country. Mm-hmm. And then the defensive line returns everybody but one. And I think it'll be a real force this year. So, yeah, that that one's a tough one, but uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll be interested. And once it, once the final verdict comes in, you know, I'll make sure to note that I think this one is probably a very difficult mm-hmm. one because I've already heard about that. <laughs> Doc, it's, it's uh, one of the um, – um, the Athletic does a lot of these, right? I mean, I, I fill out the Winnipeg Jets one every single year. This is what fans want. And, you know, uh, I, I think it's going to be incredibly well-received. What? How many people do you think are going to respond to this thing, Doc? And, and and I'm assuming it'll be all over the map, right? Some people like don't like Ferentz. Some want him to stay until he's ready to go. You're, you're going to get an incredible a variety of answers to this thing. When will we see the results? Um, I'm leaning towards middle of next week uh, right now. You know, usually you try to let it go for about a week, uh, just let people pick and choose. And this is going to be a really busy week for a lot of reasons. But uh, so, yeah, I, I think, you know, we'll let it go for about a week and then we'll make the, the you know, make most of them known. I might cut them into a couple of different uh, topics. I think, you know, you've got your football side of things, which are really interesting. And then towards the end, you know, I think I want to hear, it's the only one where I've actually have people that can submit their opinions and stuff. And that's kind of on the atmosphere at Kinnick and, and Carver Hawkeye, because uh, I think I want to hear mm-hmm. what people have to say uh, one way or the other. And then, you know, I'm also anxious to see what they have to say about Gary Barta because uh, they're, they're, he's taken a lot of heat. But when you look at the success of the sports, Iowa's never been in a better place. So, I'm really fascinated to see what the overall opinion is on him. Uh, five seconds left. Keegan Murray top five on Thursday night? Five or six. Five or uh, six. Flip a coin right there. Indeed. Doc, thanks for doing this. We appreciate it. Love reading your stuff at The Athletic. Uh, that survey going to be very popular. Why not drag it out to a couple of different pieces, right? Uh, that's what uh, my guy Marat attests at the, uh, with the Jets, uh, their athletic writer does. Good stuff, Scott Dockerman. Thank you, bud. 
All right, thanks. Appreciate yep. it. Good to hear from you. Scott Dockerman as we catch up with our buddy uh, Doc. Hour number two, Matt Snyder on Major League Baseball. Nick Olson on Iowa State. Trent's Plays of the Day, Circus Sports Sponsors, 106.3 KX.